Welcome to Satsang. Hello, Vishrant. Can you please answer today's question? Why is clearing your energy important for higher consciousness? That's like uh, asking the question, why is it important to have clarity for higher consciousness? It's a similar question. You see, if we don't have clarity, we can't really see what's going on in our own minds. If we can't have clarity, we can't really raise our consciousness levels. And so what destroys clarity is the energy that's produced or picked up from minds that grind, minds that put resistance into what they're doing, usually because they're not happy or they're victim orientated. A mind that grinds itself creates a density, which makes it very hard to have clarity, produces an unconscious energy field. So a mind that doesn't do that, a mind that has clarity, a mind that is clear, is a much better mind to have if you're interested in raising your consciousness levels. And so we can look at, well, we have to go to work. We have families. We, we do grind our minds from time to time. We do get caught in our minds and problem solving and whatever. What can we do once we've produced uh, a density that has uh, marred our clarity to rectify the situation? And the best thing is nature to take a walk, to take a jump in a, a swimming pool or in the ocean or in the river or uh, have a cold shower, or have a really good dance, anything that can throw that density off, clear it out and bring you back to a, a more clear state. People say, well, I haven't got time. Well, forget about higher consciousness then because unless you can maintain some form of clarity, you're not going to be able to see very clearly through your mind. You're going to probably get caught in dream. Clarity allows you to raise your consciousness levels. And so clearing any density that you've either produced yourself or you've picked up from the environment you're in, in other words, other people, is important. It's important to be sapphic. It's important to be clear. And it's up to you because no one can do it for you. People have these silly ideas that they can clear their energy with sage and uh, incense. No, that doesn't work. It actually has to be physically flung out of the body by dancing aggressively, which is great, walking in nature, jumping in the ocean, jumping under a cold shower. Anything that brings it out, anything that cleans you up, clears you, is worthy. But it's up to you because you have to do it. I've loved clarity my whole life. 
because it's without clarity, how can you truly be successful at anything you're doing? You miss too much. And in the game of higher consciousness, clarity is a necessity. Any questions? Any statements? Any challenges to this teaching today? First question is, will any form of movement clear energy? No. no that's not how it works. <laughs> People must realize that they can get energetic hangovers from, uh, from being at work or from being involved in uh, overthinking or being going out to a nightclub or a, uh, a bar or some club somewhere and they find that they feel a little bit dense they've, they've lost their clarity just a little bit of movement doesn't work you actually have to find a way that suits you to clear that energy now i can talk about what i did but what i did mightn't suit you i was i love to dance i love to dance a lot and so I danced for a long period of time, uh, flat out, you know, full blown dancing, free form. And that cleared. I used to also love walks in nature, whether it was along a river or an ocean or in a forest. And I used to actually take cold showers after my warm shower just to clear off anything that was still left, shock it out of the body. So those things worked for me. Um, Try it and see. Because not having clarity, because of density that you've picked up or produced, is not, not fun. How did you find what was suitable for you um, in the clearing practices? I became aware of the energy, the density of energy when I was in school. Um, you could say I became energy sensitive. And I realized that uh, I was basically relatively clear and clean. And that would have been because I was very much into sports. I was very much into the present moment. I wasn't really much of a studier or a mind grinder or a warrior. I was quite fresh. But I noticed that if I hung out with certain people, um, I, I ended up with a kind of an energetic hangover because I, I tended to take on their energy. Now, I didn't want to reject them because I love them and I like being with them, but I did need to start clearing my energy. And I did. Um, when I was in school, in boarding school, uh, when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, uh, I used to do 30 laps of the swimming pool every morning and that cleared me up pretty nicely. Uh, but then, of course, you go into class and you're in a dense environment because there's a lot of people in there and you get uh, energetically unclean. So in playtime, I used to play handball, which is another physical let's get clean type of energy. And after school, I'd play other sports. Or... When I wasn't a boarder, I'd ride my push bike home. Well, that was pretty good too, you know. My, my home was quite a long way away from school, so 
I got quite clear riding my push bike. I just didn't like that feeling of being dense. And then as I got older, I realized that um, I wasn't going to be an academic. I was going to be an entrepreneur. And I realized that to be an entrepreneur in this busy, busy world that we're in, you need to be switched on enough to see what's happening around you and take advantage of what you see. And to be able to be switched on enough and see what advantages there are to be gained, one has to be clear. They have to have clarity. <clears throat> it doesn't work if you don't have clarity. And so clearing became quite important to me. Being energetically pristine became quite important to me. And I didn't even know that it was lighting me up for spirituality. I just was doing it because I wanted to be fresh. I wanted to be vital. I wanted to be alive. I didn't want to be dull and dense because I had some kind of energetic hangover. But it's up to you. What do you want? I don't like hanging around people with unpleasant energy as it means I need to do extra clearing. What can I do about this? I did extra clearing. <laughs> I wasn't about to reject people because of the energy they carried. Um, that creates so much separation, it's not funny. Not into that. I just cleared better. I just found ways to clear better. It took me a long time to work out what was happening energetically because at first I thought that some people I was hanging out with, I felt drained or tired afterwards. I felt like I was being drained. I thought that they were taking away my good energy, but I, it, after a while I realized that wasn't what was happening. What was happening is I was emptier than they were and I was taking on their density and it was making me feel tired because it was tired type of energy. It was tamas energy, unconscious energy. And so the transfer was coming back towards me, not going out. I just put more effort into clearing. I love clarity. What is the best thing to do to wake up clearer, clearer in the morning? Go to bed clearer. <laughs> if you go out to a club or a, a pub uh, and you pick up a heap of density or you hang, go to a party somewhere and there's a, a heap of density and you go to sleep with that, well, you're going to wake up with it. You're going to wake up with an energetic hangover. And so I used to clear before I went to bed have a cold shower or something, jump in the swimming pool, jump in the river, something. I've been very fortunate in my life that I've always lived by water, whether it's been a river or an ocean. Nowadays, I live in the hills. It's a little bit different. But nowadays, I don't need to clear e either. It just happens by itself. There is nothing but clarity. But when I had to do it manually, Nature is beautiful. Love, love nature. It's just awesome. 
Next, we have a question from Susha. Hi, Vishrant. Hi, Susha. So when I produce dense energy, because I'm victim-oriented or grinding my mind at work, how is this affecting my karma? The, the, the thing about energy is whatever energy we carry, whether it's light or whether it's heavy, whatever we carry, we share with whoever we meet. That's our present to whoever we meet. And so that transference happens and we can't stop it. If we're, with, if we're heavy and we're with lighter people, we're going to fill them up with density. I became aware of that when I was a teenager as well. So I decided not to do that didn't think that was a good idea. As far as karma is concerned, whatever you put into life, you get back. Whatever you put into life, you get back. It's a very, very simple principle. For me, I love to support love because it's so beautiful. If there was more love on this planet, we'd have a very different planet. But that's up to individuals. It can't be the majority of the population. It's up to you. It's up to me. Can we be open enough to support love? Can we be vulnerable enough to support love? And that's a beautiful energy to share. Up to you, Susha. <laughs> Thank you, Vishwath. Thank you so much. The next question has been written by a viewer. Hello, Vishrant. How can I remain aware of awareness even in my sleep? Is there any practice that you can recommend? Okay, first of all, it's not you that remains aware. It's awareness itself that remains aware. You're not in the picture. You're irrelevant. And that's hard for the ego to imagine, but it's irrelevant. The awareness on awareness in sleep is enlightenment. Someone who's enlightened has awareness on awareness all the time, 24 hours a day, and they're not doing anything to make that so. Awareness is locked onto itself, and as a result, there is a Buddha field around that person, an energy field that can be perceived. There's nothing really you can do to hang on to awareness. All you can do is prepare the mind to support what is found and then self-inquire, asking the question, what's aware? Keeping on turning awareness back to itself until it locks on. What I used was self-inquiry. I also had undone my mind so it didn't contract against the world. And I used my teachers they all had a Buddha field that I was able to move into, disappear as an I, and find myself as pure awareness. But when I say that, that can be very misunderstood. It's not that I can find myself as pure awareness. Awareness that is already aware of the mind becomes aware of itself and stays aware of itself. That's very different. The I does not wake up. 
the eye does not become enlightened. It actually becomes redundant because it's false. What we truly are is pure awareness, and it is here now. The false one that wants to become enlightened actually drops and disappears. The next question has been written by Prem Prabhat. Hi, Vishrant. You spoke about being exposed to nature. I live in a concrete jungle, but fortunately, I can see the sunrise and sunsets from my apartment balcony, and I'm attracted towards full moon nights. Could you please comment about the influence of the moon on our energy? Prem. <laughs> you have kundalini energy. You have kundalini. Osho Rajneesh created a wonderful clearing meditation technique called kundalini, and you know it. Use kundalini to clear. As far as the moon's concerned, I believe it does affect us, but to me that's irrelevant. What's relevant is what's aware of that. Who am I really? People get so caught on experience and interested in experience. And experience has nothing to do with who we are. We are that that experience appears in. But if you want to clear your energy in your concrete jungle, Kundalini and dynamic meditation created by Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh worked very well. The following question is from Taranga. Would lifting weights or going to the gym clear your energy as well? No, it's a fast way to pick up a heap of density, actually. We've got a heap of other people in gyms pressing lead. Quite often, a few of them are angry, whacking out heaps of unconscious density. Uh, you walk in, if you're energy sensitive and you walk into a gym, it's like getting hit by a wave of pain because of the amount of pain that people are producing in there. Gyms are not good places to clear. They're good places to exercise, but they're not good places to clear. You're better off when you finished at the gym going somewhere and having a nice cold shower and washing off all that energy you may have picked up from other people or even yourself. I think when I was younger, I joined a gym and I walked in, I paid my fees and I walked in, I went, you gotta be kidding. This place is energetically toxic. And so I walked out again. I didn't want to play. I decided to go for a run in the park. Next, we have a question from Neil. Um, hello, Vishran. So if in, in one of your older videos, I heard you say that once awakening happened to you, you kind of lost all your drive. Now, isn't that dangerous in the material world to lose all your drive? Oh, heck yeah. 
I lost so much drive that I sat still for six months doing nothing, just staring into space, blissed out to the max until one of my teachers came along and dragged me out and said, hey, this is no way to live. What about Zorba the Buddha? <laughs> Not just the Buddha. What about Zorba the Buddha, the one that's in the marketplace? And so, yeah, I lost all my drive. But what I found is I had one drive, and that was love. And love drove me to hold satsang and try and help people get free. Then I developed another way of operating in the world that worked quite successfully because truly I had no motivation. And so I used other people's discontentment, my, uh, my students' discontentment to get things done in the world because that works. <laughs> it's a funny thing, but left alone, I'm just blissed out to the max. And so as far as the material world's concerned, that makes you ineffective. To become effective, I used the discontentment because I had young children when I woke up. I used the discontentment of my children and my wife and whoever else I came in contact with. It allowed me to move in the world and do things. Otherwise, I'd just sit still doing nothing. List out. It was beautiful. But my teacher, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, Osho, said, if you find the light, don't hide it, share it. Be in the world. Be the Buddha, but also be Zorba. Be in the world. And so I'm still in the world. 22 years after awakening occurred, playing the Zorba game, using other people's discontentment to get things done, and loving everybody as I do it. And what would be your piece of advice for people who are young in their 20s, should they be having a vision and should they be ambitious or should they be just enjoying life? Well, you look at what ambition is, you know, really, it's just massive discontentment, isn't it? Do you think I'd truly encourage someone to be massively discontent? That's not happy. You know, we, we in the West admire people who are ambitious, but have we really looked at it? They are just very, very discontent people. They're not happy at all. Otherwise, they wouldn't be ambitious. I was a very ambitious young man. And I succeeded in the material world with ambition, that discontentment that drove me. And, I can, and, and then at the age of 33, I got to see what a waste of life. I'd wasted 33 years of my life being competitive, being out of touch with my heart because of ambition. What a horrible thing to do. What a waste. Then I discovered heart and I found something worth serving. The way of the heart. So no matter what you do in life, if you can be in service with it, if you can help other people with it, if you can lift other people with it, you're going to be happy. But if it's just for you because you're driven by ambition, you're never, ever going to be satisfied. You're never going to be happy because it doesn't stop. And uh, another question was that Osho used different kinds of devices. Sometimes he used sex to lure people to his teachings or sometimes it was his false voices. So do you use something similar to bring people to your Sangha? Yeah. 
Um, most of the devices I use are on the on my students, and they're basically all designed for one thing: people to learn acceptance and surrender. Osho used different devices to lure people: uh, sex to superconsciousness, tantra. And then the businessman he, he was attracting with the 93 Rolls Royces. And so he was attracting a lot of people. I do not have the same interest in attracting people. I'm quite happy to have a few people that I can work with closely uh, and give my attention to. Too many people, too many people fall between the, 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 the rails. It's just too hard. I was in the Rajneesh organization for eight years and I saw... And when I came to Osho, you couldn't talk to him. That was an impossibility. I managed to talk to him, but I was very rare in that. In that, He was so big. I went to see him at the ranch and he had 20,000 people around him. It's like, you can't, you can't get within cooey of him. And so I've kept it rather small. And that's deliberate because I like this methodology of being able to treat individuals, which is... I guess in a lot of ways, a more traditional path. Uh, but I use devices on them and I use them constantly because anything that teaches you surrender or it teaches you acceptance is brilliant because the only thing a seeker needs to learn to support enlightenment is unconditional surrender. Hmm. Right. Um, yep. So that was it. Thank you, Sean. Nice to talk to you. The next question has been written by Kelly. As my awareness grows, I can feel the bliss energy more frequently. Yet I am just the awareness, so I'm not bliss. Uh, I find this quite confusing. Doesn't awareness equal to bliss? Can you please comment? Heck no. No, bliss is an appearance in what we are. The same as uh, suffering is an appearance in what we are. The same as joy is an appearance. The same as love is an appearance in what we are. We are the background that everything appears in. The vast nothingness that everything appears in. All appearances are separate in that they seem to be separate. They're perceived as separate. What does it all appear in? What's the background? What's the sky of it all? That's of more interest. And as far as bliss is concerned, I have no interest in bliss. Though it's pretty much here all the time. It's here now. Just to how it is. If there was pain here now, I'd be just as interested in that. Not. My mind is flatlined. It just rests in beingness, profoundly content for no reason. The next question has been written by a viewer. What is the difference between energy and consciousness? Is energy the movement of consciousness or something like that? 
Well, consciousness is just awareness, really. And energy is an appearance. And consciousness allows you to be aware of it. Everything is energy, actually. Everything. How aware of it are you? How aware are you of what's happening around you? How aware are you of the energy? How conscious are you of what's going on around you? Or are you asleep? My consciousness dictates that you're aware of everything around you, that you're aware of how your mind's ticking, what it's up to, whatever it's doing. You're not unconscious to it. From there, there's a step to superconsciousness when awareness becomes aware of itself. But high consciousness is the mind completely aware of itself. The next question is from Abay. Hello, Abay. Hi, Vishant. Vishant, does any uh, thought brings density, like the thoughts which are this random day-to-day -day tasks, not concerning or tense? Sorry, Abay, I didn't. I didn't understand what you asked me. Can you ask me again, please? Yes. Do all the thoughts create density? Any kind of thoughts, like not very dense kind of? All, all thoughts. All thoughts are resistance and they appear as resistance. Now, that can be very minimal resistance, but it's still resistance. The more energy we put behind a thought, the more density it produces. And so angry thoughts produce a very strong negative energy or toxic energy. Fear produces quite a strong, dense energy as well. But the thought, oh, I might go for a walk today. Well, that's not going <laughs> to produce a great deal of energy. But it does produce energy because all thoughts produce energy. All thoughts produce density because they're contractions, they're resistance. Okay. So the more open I'll... Um openness I practice, the lighter my energy will be. How you think affects how your energy is. Uh, we create our own reality by the way we think. Someone who's carrying very dense energy is really grinding their mind. It takes a lot of effort to do that. Babies are pristine because they're not thinking yet. Energetically, they're pristine. But then they go to school because they grow up a bit and they learn to live in their heads. And that's when they start grinding their minds, worrying, procrastinating, problem solving. And that produces the density and that kills clarity. If you want to have a reasonably clear mind and body, just don't think negatively. You don't have to worry about positivity. Just don't think negatively because humans are naturally buoyant. We're born, we're born buoyant. It's our negative thinking that sinks us. Okay. Thank you very much, Ashram. Okay. Nice to talk to you, Abby. Always very pleasant and nice to talk to you, Vishram. Thank you very much. Love you. Love you, darling. The next question has been written by a viewer. 
publish, right? How do you explain it somewhere, for example, like a workplace? There are some people I get on with straight away, but others I feel hard to get along and I feel awkward staying in the same room with them. I actually don't feel like I dislike the person either. Is there some energy between people or something else? Thank you. You may be picking up that they don't want you around their space. They actually might want space around themselves. You may be a little bit psychic. You may be accurate in what you're feeling. Or you may have something going on inside of yourself where there's a certain prejudice against this person. I don't really know. Uh, people do different things. I live in the energy world in a lot of ways. I have done most of my life. So I pick up whether people are closed or whether they're open, whether they like me or whether they don't like me. Energetically, it's obvious. People are constantly transmitting energy, constantly transmitting how they feel and how they think. And if you're sensitive enough, you can feel it. It's up to you. Does it really matter? No. <laughs> what other people think and what they do is their business. What's your business? The next question has been written by Susha. I find myself avoiding people because I'm likely to pick up their energy. Does this make me arrogant? You know, I don't teach that. I understand that if we hang out with dense people, it will, we will take the density on and it will affect us. But I definitely don't teach avoidance. That creates a separation. If anything, I move closer. But then I clear. Well, I don't anymore, but I used to, I used to clear. Giving yourself permission to avoid people is a defense system that keeps you stuck in an ego-based reality. You want to wake up, you have to live like this, wide open. You can't live closed like this. You have to be wide open. You allow the world to pass through you. You don't avoid it. The next question has been written by Chris. I just found you and Eckhart Tolle in the last six months. He has commented that there are many people close to the brink of enlightenment, or at least on a journey to awakening. Would you comment on this? I would say that Eckhart Tolle is correct in saying there's a lot of people on the brink and there's a lot of people on the journey, but very few people actually wake up and stay awake. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is very simple. They're not willing to pay the price. People want to wake up and have a future and have a past. But neither the future nor the past are real. They can be held in imagination, but they're not real. And so people hang on to the idea of their future. 
I'm going to wake up and then I'm going to hold satsang, then I'm going to write a book, and then I'm going to talk to lots of people and help them. No, that's not how it is. That's a dream. Enlightenment is a full stop. The I surrenders unconditionally and it drops. There is no future. There is no past. There is now. People aren't willing to pay this price. You have to surrender you to truth. You have to surrender you to God. You have to surrender you to beingness. You as an I have to surrender yourself. And most people aren't prepared to pay that price. So even though they're on the brink, as Eckhart Tolle says, they're just not willing to pay the price, so they never wake up. Enlightenment is a result of you giving yourself to truth. You're giving yourself to God. You're giving yourself to beingness, surrendering unconditionally in love too. The next question has been <clears throat> written by Frank. You said that dancing with totality at clubs is clearing, but wouldn't that energy go into the other people there? You mean the energy you're throwing off? Is that what he's asking? Yes, I think so. <sighs> clubs are about as grubby as you can get. If you want a, an experience of dense energy, just go to a nightclub where people are using drugs. And people do use drugs in nightclubs. They use ecstasy and oh, all sorts of drugs. And what happens when people take drugs is they tend to purge. So they're putting out a lot of density. So nightclubs are energetically toxic as. I found that if I kept dancing, I didn't pick up anything. But if I stood still and stood by a bar or sat down, then I'd absorb everything. And so when I'd go into a club or a nightclub to dance, I would dance and then I'd leave. I wouldn't stay. I wouldn't sit around. I'd dance and I loved to dance and I'd dance totally. They had great speaker systems, great sound systems, and I'd just let rip, you know, <laughs> but I wouldn't hang about. I'd leave. The, oh, the question was about, are you letting your energy off? Nowhere near as much as the people who are taking drugs and purging. <laughs> people take ecstasy or they oh just everything comes out it's energetic nightmare the next question is from a viewer is writing down your thoughts on a piece of paper a good energy clearing practice Not really. Writing down your thoughts on a piece of paper, and if you write every thought down that you, you see, it gets you to realize how crazy you are. It's not a bad idea if you want to have a look and see how your mind's working. It gives you insight into your own mind if you're honest enough to see what's there. But I wouldn't say it's a clearing practice. Okay.
next question has been written by a viewer. Hi, Vishran. When becoming a witness, I keep running into a barrier that I can't see past. It feels like the desire to become enlightened. How can I move past this? If the desire to be enlightened is strong enough, you'll do whatever it takes to facilitate that. And so the desire for enlightenment is the only desire that I support in people, really, because it is that thirst that allows people to come home. Without that thirst, people don't come home. That thirst has you do whatever it takes to facilitate enlightenment. It, it allows you to surrender. It allows you to remove all the obstacles that are in the way, all the defense systems, all the belief systems that contract you. Because higher consciousness or spirituality is about an undoing process. It's not about a doing up process. It's about an undoing process. The lighter you are, the better it is. But it's up to you. You're going to facilitate this or you are not. The thirst is a requirement. And so most spiritual teachers have two jobs, to point to the truth and to fire up the thirst to find it in self. The next question is from Neil. I think I care too much about what others think of me. Is there a way to stop caring? Well, <clears throat> that will definitely cripple you because what other people think of you is none of your business and more than likely you twist yourself in the knots to get their uh, acceptance. I wonder what they'd think of you in a year's time or two years' time or three years' time. I wonder if those thoughts would worry you if you went forward three years and you thought about all the people three years ago that thought things of you. Wonder if you'd be concerned about it. Wonder what difference it would make in your life. I wonder if you feel the regret of how much you twisted yourself into a knot to please other people to get their acceptance because you were frightened of what they thought of you. What other people think of you is none of your business. Be free. Stop considering it. Up to you. I've heard you say something like, you can choose peace over being right. Does being right not also lead to some peace of mind? Can you please explain this? Depends what you put behind being right. Righteousness uh, quite often is a cover-up for low self-worth, the same as arrogance is. You've got to examine your own mind and have a look and see what does being right bring you? What does, it ha what does actually happen? And you have to be extremely honest with yourself. 
I found when I was ego-based that what brought peace was acceptance of life as it is and that righteousness was the opposite of that. It just created tension, right and uptight. <laughs> acceptance of life as it is brings peace, beautiful peace. But you have to be humble to accept life as it is. Righteousness doesn't have much humility in it, if any. Too much of you. The next question has been written by Alex. Hi, Vishwan. Can we accept the temporariness of life without threats to our physical body? I found that we can accept everything in life. And that is, it is in the acceptance of everything in life that one has produced a mind that will support enlightenment. The next question from a viewer reads, Hi Vishrant, great listening to you. Oftentimes, I feel very weak in the presence of a few people. I actually feel physically and mentally drained. How, how much ever I think I'm holding on to my energy. How do I stop my energy getting dissipated? Okay, so this is one of the mistakes I made when I was young. I thought that I was being drained energetically. I thought that some people could just <laughs> draw the joy out of me and leave me flat. But I was wrong. What it turned out is that I was actually emptier than some of these people because energy flows from full to empty. And I was just getting filled up with their density. And as I got filled up with their density that they were carrying, I started to feel tired. I started to feel like I was drained, but I wasn't drained. I was just filled up with dense, sleepy energy from other people. And I just made that okay and found ways to clear it. The next question is from a viewer. Hi, Vishrant. I am empathic and easily pick up on energy. I'm sure my old conditioning creates my own as well. Does it matter where it comes from? Any reframing tips when this happens? <laughs> the only way not to produce density yourself is to not be negative. If you're a victim-orientated person, as a lot of empaths are, you're going to produce a lot of density in yourself and you're going to pick it up from other people. I've been an empath my whole life. I pick up everything that everyone else has got. I feel it. I feel it in me. I f sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's blinding. Sometimes it's dull. 
Sometimes it's joy, depending on what I'm picking up. Sometimes it's love. But I have no filter system to stop it. The only thing that I learned to do when I was from the age of 19 onwards is not to produce it myself, not to be a victim of life, not to think negatively, because I really loved clarity and I didn't want to be dense all the time. So it's up to you. We create our own reality by the way we think. And we are in control of changing that if we wish to. No one else can do it for us, only us. We will run true to our default patterns until we die, unless they are changed. And they take quite a lot of effort and practice to change. People think they can change quickly, they're delusional. With discipline, we can do something different almost immediately. But for something to become a default pattern where no effort goes into it at all because it happens automatically, usually takes about two years of practice. It's up to you though. Whatever you practice, you're going to be good at. So if you practice being negative, you're going to be real good at that. If you practice being victim orientated, you're going to be really good at that. If you practice worrying, that's what you're going to be good at. Whatever you practice, you're going to be good at. Practice is the only thing that changes default patterning. Practicing something different to what has been done before for long enough for it to take. Okay. The next question has been written by Joe and Billy. How to master the breath when it feels hard to breathe? I don't know whether you're trying to, but trying to master the breath is the answer. How about just witnessing the breath? Meditation is witnessing the breath, not mastering it. You just keep watching it. You watch it come in, you watch it turn, you watch it go out, you watch it turn again and come in. There's no effort required. You just witness the breath. Mastering the breath sounds like a job. That's not, that's not meditation. Witnessing the breath, because it's real, is meditation. Witnessing anything is meditation. Once you're involved in what you're witnessing, you're lost. Come back to witnessing. Always witnessing. Thank you for satsang. Good to see you brave hearts here today. <laughs>